I am going to talk about the diversity side as well. So really mm. where um, looking at more local solutions, then there's an opportunity for small, medium enterprises to start getting involved and providing services for uh, larger corporate companies. Um, yeah. And I think there's going to be more of that, looking more at social enterprises, diverse organisations, that, that's really going to take off. Well, it has taken off. It's going to be even more relevant. Yeah, it already has. Hello and welcome to Navigating ESG in Facilities and the Workplace. My name is Darren Pardy. I'm the host. I'm delighted to be joined by Maxine Crow, who is the EMEA Account Sourcing Lead for JLL. Uh, also, Maxine is writing a book called Mobilization Mastery. Maxine, thank you very much for joining me today. How are you? I'm really well, Darren. It's great to be here. Cool. Thank you very much for joining. Um, before we get into ESG, I've just got a few quick fire questions to ask. So okay. I'm just going to read them out. And if you can answer them literally as quick as you can, that'd be great. Uh -huh. What's your favorite film? Serendipity. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, favorite song? Oh, Fields of Goals. <laughs> All right, okay, very nice. Uh, favorite band or artist? Oh my gosh! Oh, oh, band. I can't think of. Oh, could be anyone. Anything could be anyone. Um, disclosure. Uh... Okay. Uh, and favorite place to go in the world could be local, could be anywhere. Oh gotta be ibiza <laughs> very nice and do you like pineapple on your pizza i absolutely do uh, never mind okay yes i do as well as chilies and everything else in between fair enough okay so that is the end of the quickfire questions um we're now going to get into it uh talking about esg but um first of all how did you actually get involved in fm procurement and and what's your sort of background leading to that if you don't mind me asking yeah, sure. So my, my background, I, I did, uh, I, earlier on in my, in my career, I did do work as blue collar, so factories and um, went to, wanted to change. So I went to, went to University of, of Bedfordshire, uh, where I actually studied business and psychology with a view of, okay, maybe becoming a clinical psychologist. Um, that actually didn't happen. And I went down the, the, the business route instead. So um, my first role um out of university was with a, an estates uh, a healthcare trust now um at that time it wasn't just one job i actually had believe it or not five part-time jobs because when right. i came out of university i was like i don't want to work full-time so i started part-time with the healthcare trust and then um the situation personal situation changed so i needed to get more work so i ended up with for the trust working as a contracts administrator and then right. a lease car, lease car manager so that was my full-time role and then still needed to to earn more money so i ended up then um doing a pot after i finished at the lease cars in the afternoon i would then go to a, a medical um a medical gp practice and i'd be a receptionist for two hours and then right. after that i would then go to, off to a, a nightclub and work till wee hours of the morning and then in the in the weekends i was doing care bank work at a at a ment for for mental uh disabled disabled um patients that lived in a lived in a group home so 
all the, I had these five jobs for quite part-time jobs for quite a while and it was like oh my god I just want one job I just want one career and I ended up ended up just looking around it was either project management because it fitted that what, what I liked it had a start begin and end yeah. or facilities management which um and I ended ended up in facilities management because there was an opportunity that came up to train become an assistant manager so my first role uh, in facilities management was assistant FM and it was at a, a big massive site down in Marlow which I had to drive an hour and a half three-way round trip every every day and and that was my start in in facilities management it was a thousand occupancy building 200,000 wow. square feet um working with a team so there was and a, and a total facility management so I literally just right. went went in head head first <laughs> and, yeah. and just got really stuck in and got my qualification and training back then it was the BIFM and yeah. that's that's where I started in the 90s so oh, quite a long time ago yeah yeah in, indeed and, and the five roles that you mentioned quite varied as well um, they were they were quite varied but to be honest it was literally making ends meet and just trying to just try to put food on the table if I'm completely yeah, honest I was in my mid-20s so yep. it was quite a long time ago. And also in your mid-20s, you don't really know what you want to do. Um, but it's quite nice to get involved in an industry. And in, in, in obviously the FM industry since then has, has grown massively as well. It so really it, has. It, it's, it, I imagine for, for your journey to be involved from, as you say, the 90s, how that's grown uh, and the opportunities you've probably had since. So, so where yeah. did you first start then in FM? Which company was that? So the company back then was called CBX Limited. Yeah. Um, and it was some of the old school boys. I say old school boys. My gosh, they're, they're <laughs> fully grown age men now. You know, like yeah. um, they went on to, to run Mace Macro. A few of them went out to Dubai and ran um, some companies out in Dubai. Um, right. So like the Bill Heaths of the world. Um, some have retired now. Uh, Lionel Prodgers. I don't know if you know any of these names, right. but they're really old school boys. Stan Woolheads of the world, Tom Duncan. Yeah. I think they're probably in their 60s or 70s now. They've probably right. retired and gone on to other things. Yeah. But, um, yes, it was CBX and then it became Axima. And then they got bought by the Suez Group. Um, right. And, um, yeah, they after, after that, I then went into London and started with um, – a role with the CBRE actually was my oh, first right. uh, role with one of the big, big top five. Yep. And I yeah. see you've gone on to NG and an in-service oh, well, mobilisation. Yeah, yeah. So mobilisation started back in 2004 and back then used to um, work with the procurement team to do all the data gathering for the new contracts that they were were awarded, so that that in itself was was quite a quite a, a task, especially when it's multi-country. Um, some of the some of the accounts had like hundreds of suppliers, and then you're you're pulling together a procurement strategy yeah. in order then to to deliver a new solution. So my my mobilisation and and other nice known as transitions as well started back in back in those days yeah um yeah that would be good um and obviously we want to be getting involved in um talking about esg so so how do you think procurement is or will uh, positively impact on businesses and and communities from an esg point of view so so what's really important and and what we're 
being challenged with now is is not not only the the manufacturing and, and where materials are sourced from um where our so who who actually deliver our deliver our services so in terms of modern slavery and and things like that it's it's really important as a procurement to understand the end-to-end journey of the not only the services but how it's been provided how it's been delivered and and what's being used so in terms of uh sustainability and, and the environment um for example if we're looking after services in in say I don't know, say Germany, you're not going to export. And, and But there's a product that has been used in, I don't know, the UK, for example. Logic says that you're not going to now transport that. In, in the past, you'd, you know, you'd do the shipping, you'd do the couriering, and yep. it's wherever that solution needs to be. Um, you would then transport it over into to that country, whereas now it's becoming more um, more local, regional solutions Um to deliver to deliver the services so what's really key, what's really key now is that suppliers are really conscious of um how they source their materials sourcing ethically as well yeah. um as as well as you know if it can be in country it's it's helping with the environment the fo- the carbon footprint um, yeah. and the delivery of those services so that's yeah. how i feel it's yeah, and, and you mentioned modern slavery as well. So, do you get involved in the like the social value side and and communities when you're looking Absol- at, at supply chain? Absolutely. Um, if I think a, a few years a few years back, we were doing uh, when Brexit driven the, the height of Brexit, and obviously that that would have had a, an impact on on the supply chain. And so, it was really important to to understand not only the the, the risk mitigation and and contingencies but um it's also whether you know employees are are uk based and and ensuring that our companies that we work with have have um modern slavery um policies and they're they're actually not not um contributing to that so for example if there's a a supplier that imports from um Eastern, so Asian countries, for example, or or China or the Middle East, you want to make yeah. sure that they're not actually, um, they're not that it's been done in an ethical way. It's been it's not being done with child labour. So that it's very re- it's very relevant. And you know, when you see the end product in in an office, you don't really think, oh, do, you know, how has this been produced? But as procurement specialists, we do have to. Know, challenge and make, and make sure that our suppliers are being held accountable as well for yep. where they're sourcing goods and services for for us that's great to hear and and how do you think um how do you think well what big changes within within fm do you think there'll be over the next few years in relation to esg i i, I really believe now that um it's not just going to stop with our immediate suppliers you know sort of what we call our tier one suppliers where it's actually going to be then looking into the subcontractors and the and the con- the way they they contract um with with others so being held more more accountable and actually demonstrating as well their um commitment to the environment commitment to sustainable whether that is by um replacement replacement of of certain products that are not not friendly chemicals that are not friendly to the environment whether yep. it's um eliminating certain p- 
parts of their, their, their manufacturing process or their, their subsourcing process. Um, but also in terms of, I am going to talk about the diversity side as well. So really where um, looking at more local solutions, then there's an opportunity for small, medium enterprises to start to get involved and providing services for uh, larger corporate companies. Um, yeah. And I think there's going to be more of that, looking more at social enterprises, diverse organisations, that, that's really going to take off. Well, it has taken off. It's going to be even more relevant. Yeah, it already has, definitely. Mm. And, and you mentioned SMEs in relation to SMEs because obviously what you're talking about is, um, I suppose, interrogating their su- supply chain or where they procure their products from and, and, and so on. Do you think FMs will support those S- SMEs with the help they kind of need let's say you're a small company of 10 or 20 staff you might not have the ability to delve into the details like you know like yourselves um do you think that the fm um large uh, businesses like jll will will offer support to the to the smaller kind of well the smes of the world so so um so before before joining JLL, I was was actually con- consulting, and um, one right. of the things one one of the things that I I have made um, a priority is supporting uh, small medium enterprises. Um, so because they don't always have that corporate lens or understand what the requirements are or what a corporate mm. is looking for. So as a, as an as an advisor to to SMEs, it would be. Um, if you're if you're looking at okay recommending um, manufacturers recommending um, companies that work with corporates so that they know that they're then aligned um, in terms of the requirements but also yes is the answer in terms of FMs once you've got SMEs diverse suppliers social enterprises on board it just doesn't stop with with getting them on board it it also means supporting them through the process. Um, understanding the culture, understanding the requirements, because, and and also simplifying a lot of a lot of the information and the data that they need to work with, because um, sometimes it can be quite comprehensive, um, and they just don't have the time or the the bandwidth to to deal with what's what's required. So yes, yeah. is the answer. FMs would facility managers will will support as as well as sourcing and and procurement as as well. Yeah, okay. I've definitely seen a lot more of um, SMEs being backed or social enterprises being backed by uh, the large FMs, which is which is great to see. Uh, but but also wanted to touch on your book. Yes. So you are writing, and I believe it's going to be out by the end of the year. Although. Yes. Yeah. That, uh, yes. That is planned. So. <laughs> um, so, what made you write a book? So, so I've actually been in in a position where, so first of all, um, mobilization mastery it is for facility management leaders and, and program managers really, and it mm-hmm. talks about avoiding the the, the common pitfalls uh, in order to achieve a successful mobilization and a and a transition. So, what what I mean by that is that there's there's certain touch points, pain points where you know you you go into to mobilize, but there's a lack of data or um, the, the information or the framework's not quite quite there. So um, the, the book really brings together all the anecdotes and experiences um, in, in order for others to learn and, and upskill. Mm-hmm. And the plan with Mobilisation Mastery is, is about a, a five-step process where you can embed the mobilisation skills into your organisation. So right. it's really the start of a, of a journey 
um, for for me in um, then moving on to workshops, then moving on to working with either SMEs to support them with um, if they haven't mobilized mobilized um, contracts before because yeah. they're expanding and they're they're growing into a corporate space, um, and also for organisations already established that really want to um, raise the bar in terms of their mobilisation skills, having a framework that they can um, literally um, plug and play. Um, mm. as they grow and as they win and get awarded more more contracts uh, so that's that's the reason for the book I'm very very passionate about the industry and and sharing inspiring and, and educating others so it's part of that that personal journey for me it sounds sounds awesome looking forward to uh to, to reading it but um have you got anything else you wanted to add at all Maxine um add in terms of just um Anything you wanted in terms of the book or anything? About oh, the sorry, issue? sorry. So, yeah, in, in terms of the book. So I, I am I, I, I did ask for um, six volunteers. So I did post out on link on LinkedIn yeah. um, just looking for some beta readers. Um, so one, in the coming weeks, once I've got the um, a couple of the, the edits done, yeah. um, just need some beta readers to run through. There'll be like a question questionnaire in terms of some feedback on each of the chapters. And then it will go for a, a, another run of, of editing with that with that feedback. And then yeah. after that, it goes off to the publishers for them then to start working the magic. So um, yeah. once it's published, yeah, once it's published, it will be um, with eight, 38 distributors across 120 countries. So wow. it's... Uh, can't wait! I'm so excited. It's finally getting there. I haven't got it downstairs actually. I've got it. I've got it upstairs. But I saw, the, I saw the post on LinkedIn about yeah. it. Um, so yeah. when you say beta, does that mean you've almost finished like the first so version? Beta readers. It just means that I've. I've cleaning up the the first edit of of the actual manuscript i am going to add a couple more stories in actually which i, I came across and also add in sort of the five-step process which has now been fine-tuned um, in terms of the method for embedding the skills so that's got to go in and then i've got three three volunteers so far so beta readers they'll just run through the the draft comment feedback and then i'll do a second run of, of editing before it's then ready the manuscripts then ready to go off to the publisher cool sounds uh sounds very exciting i, I did see the um post earlier actually I, I commented on it about happy to be a beta read if if you're still looking oh, for perfect any. yes uh, i am i'll, I'll yeah, put I mean... a link uh, when we post the um the podcast i'll put a link in uh, see if anyone else is is interested as well but um the first uh the third the first podcast we had a couple of weeks ago that went live uh had about three and a half thousand viewers so hopefully wow. a few people will listen to this so uh, we, we yeah should see. but uh, maxine great. thank you very much um for your time really appreciate it thanks for the information about the book as well really excited about thank that thank you and thank uh, you. yeah all the best for that i'll speak to you soon take care thank you darren